The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Um, we have a great guest for you today. My guest is Dr. Daniel Gottlieb. He is a practicing psychologist and family therapist, and he's the host of Voices in the Family on WHYY, Philadelphia's National Public Radio Affiliate. From 1993 to 2008, he wrote the highly regarded column for the Philadelphia Inquirer called Inside Out, reflecting his perspective on world events and the ways we experience them. He's the author of five books, including best-selling Letters to Sam and Learning from the Heart, which have been translated into 18 languages. He speaks nationally and locally, and his website is drdangottlieb.com. And he, his book, he has a new book called The Wisdom We're Born With, and the proceeds and, alter, and royalties from this book will be donated to the Kalani Special School in South Africa. Welcome, Dan Gottlieb. Patricia, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. Now, is it Daniel or Dan? Dan. Okay. All Daniel's right. what my mother called me when she was mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot <laughs> with yeah. different names. Um, what do you mean by wisdom we were born with? What does that mean in your title of your new book? Well, it's the, the subtitle is Reawakening Faith in Ourselves. So that's Part of the wisdom we're born with. I mean, look at look at infants and toddlers. You know, they are filled with joy. They laugh easily. They cry easily. They're they love easily. They receive love easily. And just as important, they experience awe in the ordinary. Now, there's nothing that says wisdom more than someone who can experience awe in the ordinary. Yes, yeah. And, and I, why do you think uh, that kind of gets, I hate to use the word killed, but it gets stifled tremendously in us as we grow older? Well, you know, the, I, I talked in the book about an ancient parable about how before a child born, this is an old Hebrew parable before a child's born that God infuses that child with all the wisdom and knowledge they need in, in life. And he seals a secret pact. He puts his finger on the child's lip and yeah. says, shh, 
so that there's a secret pact between the child and God. As the story goes, that's why we have a dent in our upper lip, because that's fingerprint. But what I didn't know when I first told that story, I first told it in in letters to Sam, what I didn't know was that there's another chapter to that story, and an angel comes right before we're born and and slaps us, and Mm. we forget. All, all of that wisdom, and and that's what happens, right? We we grow. We there's pressures to achieve and perform, and there's look. We want to fit in. We want to be part of. Yes, so uh, we we have to turn our back on on ourselves to be part of. I mean, it's not cool to experience awe in the ordinary. And so we grow, and the ego develops, and we develop some skills, and and we need to move mountains just to prove our identity, and you know mm. all of those things. And and I've got to tell you my experience, and you'll hear it from from many as they've aged. You know, I was like your your voice is coming else. in and out. Your voice is um, not as as strong as it was, so I don't oh, know really? if you moved. Yeah. Okay. How about now? It's not quite as strong. Go ahead, I can hear you. It just doesn't have the wonderful booming quality that it had a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, boy, I don't know what's changed. I'm on a landline. Okay. And I'm right. kind of leaning over the phone. All right. Well, we'll try to see if it's on our end. Okay, so tell me you were telling the story. Yeah, that, you know, when when I was a child I, I, and a young man, I needed to move mountains. I needed to... To prove myself, but like like all of us humans, certainly us humans here in the, in the West. Mm. But as I age, you know, I don't need to move mountains. I I just admire them and feel awe in in watching them. So I think it's an evolutionary process, but it's in there. That wisdom is always always in there and. You know, we, we it I think we have the opportunity to open it naturally every time we're knocked down in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it opens a door, it opens our hearts, it, it breaks assumptions, it breaks identities, you know, when when yeah. we're knocked down. And yeah. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you know, I could get into a whole discussion here about just uh, coming back from Israel and, you know, really um, seeing how, you know, a small piece of land divides people and how we're looking at religious people and, you know, the issues are very deep and very strong. Um, I think the most positive part is that uh, these are very uh, dedicated people to their faiths and their cultures and traditions. Uh, but um, there, it, it, it's it's sad because um, we're all the the issue is very much around um, faith and religion. So I don't want to get into that, but I think it does fit in here a little bit with you know being able to show our wisdom. Well, yeah. Um, when when I talk about faith, I I challenge. I think. Faith and belief, in many respects, can be opposites. Hmm. That faith is about 
letting go, our first experience of faith, and I've written about this in one of my books, our first experience of faith is when we float. I mean, until Mm. then we're treading water, and then we let go, Mm -hmm. and we float. We let go, and it's an act of faith to trust something, to let go into something we don't understand. And that, that's faith in the literal, biological, visceral sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm just a lowly shrink. So, you know, I, I deal with it in small, small bites. So, you know, when I say reawakening faith in ourselves... It's just allowing ourselves to open up to what's in there, what's in there and what's always been in there. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a a patient who I wrote about in in this book who was in a horrible marriage, had a horrible childhood, and, and finally had the courage to face the precipice and get out of her marriage and She said to me in one session, she said, Dan, I will never abandon myself again. And I thought that language was so powerful. You know, we do that, don't we? We abandon ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that self, that wisdom, is there waiting for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very, so important. You know, another thing that you write about in your book, Dan, um, which I think is key, is how experiences come out of nowhere. And, you know, and those are those special experiences, many times those serendipities that we didn't expect. Talk about that. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell the story that, that got that phrase stuck in my head. That I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and and she was telling me how her colleague um, came to her, and her husband walked out on her, and mm. and she said my colleague said that it, it just came out of nowhere, and you know of course these things, those things rarely do, but that phrase got stuck in my head, out of nowhere, and I thought about thirty. Four years ago, and I was driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and all of a sudden I saw a black thing in the sky coming towards me. Well, it turns out that black thing was a a wheel from an 18-wheel truck bouncing across the road, and it came towards me. It crushed my car. It broke my neck, and I've been a quadriplegic for the last 34 years, and that came out of nowhere. I thought about I thought about how my sister 10 years ago was complaining of headaches and that turned out to be a, a glioblastoma and she was gone in 18 months mm. and that came out of nowhere. And, and, you know, I thought of all of these things in, in my life that came out of nowhere. And, and my friend is telling the story while I'm using in my head and I said to her, I hate that place. <laughs> she said, what place? I said, that nowhere place that all this crap comes out of. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking, you know, I'm with a woman now 
who is the love of my life. And one day I saw her walking down the hall in my house, and like my heart opened up. And I thought, my God, this woman is magnificent in every way. And that came out of nowhere. So everything comes out of nowhere, Patricia. You know, we assume that tomorrow's going to look like today, and today's supposed to look like yesterday. I, I need to ask you this, Stan, based on what you just said, and I, I think it's important. You know, you're a profound teacher, and you obviously have worked through so many things in your own life, but how do you get through the the injury that you had when your life dramatically changes? You don't have the mobility you had before. How do you work through that without anger, without bitterness, with, you know, still looking at the joy in life? And not going back and saying, poor me, if only. I'd really Um, like to hear that answer because I'm sure you've been asked that many times. Yeah, I think it's impossible. You can't, well, I didn't go through it without anger and shock and self-pity. And, you know, I'm I'm at the time, thank God, I I was a psychologist at the time. So, I mean, you know, I had some insight and I knew how my mind and heart worked. And I knew in very short order, underneath all of those emotions, was terror, just sheer terror. Mm -hmm. And so how did I work it through? Luck. And, And really that's what, it comes down to, and, mm. and I'm going to give you just a couple. I think it's examples. more than luck, don't you? Don't you think it's it's drive and dedication and the way you think? No, well, maybe the way I think, but no, and no, and I'll tell you why. I I turn away from personal pronouns. I, I don't think any of this has to do with I, me, or mine. And and I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, I've got a learning disability. So I've always looked at the world a little differently than than everyone else. Um, I attribute my genetics. I contribute a nurse who came to me when I was in ICU and all I wanted to do was die. This is about two weeks after the accident and all I wanted to do was die and she came up to me and she said, you're a psychologist, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, can I talk to you? I'm, I'm struggling with something. And she told me about her problem when she, where she was also feeling despair and hopeless, mm-hmm. just like me. And I got it. I got what she was feeling. And she didn't care about my broken body. And for the moment, I didn't either. I just cared about her. And I referred her to a therapist, and at the end, after she left, I closed my eyes and I said, I think I can do this. I think I can live with this. She Mm -hmm. saved my life by asking something of me. But there's so many other factors. You know, I had a lot of friends. I had a career I could go back to, and I don't want to minimize this. This is a big factor. I had incredible health insurance that paid for my medical care. It pays for my wheelchairs. It pays mm. for the modifications in my in my vehicle. 
that's a big deal. I've got yeah, it is, and a big I've gift. Got twenty-four hour nursing at home. I, I couldn't live the life I live without twenty-four hour nursing, and it's it's you know for damn sure Medicaid and Medicare aren't going to pay that. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it's a whole lot of factors, and, and none of them, none of them, are because of me with a capital M. You know, I just, I just feel so, so, so fortunate. I feel so wealthy in these regards that I, sometimes I feel guilty, you know, that I have all this emotional, social wealth and love in my life and joy that, you know, I just, I feel bad for all my fellow people who have disabilities who don't get what I get. Have you ever thought that on a, on a more spiritual level, the reason all this has come to you is because this is allowing you to do this important work in the world? I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule it out. But, um, can I, you know, I, I'm going to tell you about a dream which, which might answer your question in the affirmative. Mm-hmm. So this goes back about 20 years now, and it was a, a time, I, another time in my life, a great despair. I'd had multiple surgeries. I had spent months in bed. And, and a friend of mine came to me, and she said, Dan, she said, like it or not, you're a teacher now. And that mm. night I had a dream that God came to me. And, and personally, a God I don't believe in, but God came to me and said, I'm going to give you a piece of the universe, and your job is to care for it. Don't make it bigger or better. Just care for it. Mm. And he said, when I'm ready, when God's ready, your life mm. will be over, and I'll take it back. And, you know, I looked down in my hand, and the piece of the universe I got was three millimeters by three millimeters. So, you know, the ego comes out. That was 20 years ago. I was in my 40s. The ego comes out. I'm, yo, I can do more than three millimeters. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a shrink. I got a radio show. But, you know, when I thought about it, three millimeters of the universe is quite a parcel, and it really is an awesome responsibility and I know I have known since then what my responsibility in life is what my what my calling is and what my responsibility is and that is one thing just one thing that's all I do is I teach kindness that's mm. all I do well, I think I think you answered my question. I think it's I think it is in the affirmative. I think that, um, and you know, and the other thing too, have you thought about this, Dan? Is that now I know you had already been doing radio for years, but the work that you're doing now and the intensity of it, would you have been doing that if this had not happened, this accident or this injury? Well, of course, there's no way of knowing that. But my my belief, and you know, as soon as you say belief, you're you know, you're making up a story. But okay. I my belief 
is that as a result of this accident and all the tragedies I've lived in life, as a result of that, I have become more me, Mm. more who Mm. I am. You know, I feel less, and for years, less pressure to fit in, less opportunity. I've lost hope for fitting in, for being the same as. I've lost hope for thinking like other people. I've, what a gift that is. You know, sometimes, sometimes hope hurts. Sometimes hope keeps us stuck. I wrote a chapter. On I, I, you know, I, that's a whole philosophical discussion because that's what I do in my work. I mean, my work is about making the world a better place by bringing people on like yourself. Because I think that we need more hope in the world. I don't think we have enough. And certainly, you know, um, we don't want to be um, in fool's paradise either. But it is the hope that um, keeps us moving. Well, in my clinical practice, people who have hope that their parents will change or their history will change or or people with disabilities who have hope that they'll walk again, that's what keeps them stuck. Right, because you can't change change other people. It's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Now, let me say we have a few more minutes. Um, This wonderful book that you have written, The Wisdom We're Born With, you've dedicated this book to the Kalani Special School in South Africa for children with multiple disabilities. Talk about that. Well, this past summer, I did what I think every 68-year-old quadriplegic does. I just picked up and went to South Africa. Um, it was it was we talk about spiritual was the most deeply spiritual experience I had. Anyway, one of the trips we went to this Kulani special school deep in the bush where there was grinding poverty, and some hundred and fifty five kids with a whole variety of disabilities. These are kids that parents dropped off and just ran away, or schools refused to educate. They slept on floors in huts. They there had a one-acre campus that was all sand. They had porta potties there, um, and and you know they that's where they were educated. And then another hut where they went in and got their food and they ate all their meals sitting on the sand. And and their food didn't look very nutritious. And they wanted me to talk to these kids, and I talked to them about that. As soon as I started talking that I've been in a wheelchair for over 30 years, I could just feel held by these kids. And then I said to them, but I'm a happy man. And I told them why I was happy, because I have so much love in my life, because I'm able to help people. And these kids just spontaneously surrounded me and just wanted to hug and kiss me and that's all I wanted to do with them so I have adopted 155 children hmm. and that's really special oh my god these kids are special yeah that's really special you talk about also um, in your book and this really interests me because I think it's important is the acts of kindness and that they make a significant difference in the quality of life. 
I find that so true. Where does that show up for you? Um, well, you know, these amazing acts of kindness. It it starts at home, I think. Yeah. Um, I I have developed a good relationship with my broken body, with myself, with my neurotic mind. Um, I'm I'm kind to this guy. I know this guy always tries to do the best he can and has a good heart. And I, by and large, I'm kind to me. It's not that critical judge has not completely retired, you know. But by and large, I'm, I'm kind. And my experience with that is that kindness is like love. It doesn't matter whether we're giving it or receiving it. The experience is the same. And I tell people, if you want more kindness in your life, be kind of... more kindness, yeah. Yeah, if you want more love in your life, love others. And kindness and love is like everything else. They're habitual, they're habits. The more you do them, the easier it is to do. So important. You also write about how you think, you talk about the art of living deeply. Would you say that the acts of kindness is part of that, Dan? I think that's part of it. It's not the whole story. Uh, I think part of the art of living deeply is the art of pausing in life frequently. Just stop and Kind of check in. See what your eyes are seeing. Listen to what your ears are hearing. Just feel. Feel your clothes on your skin. Feel the temperature on your face. Just feel, taste, be. How is your mind at this moment? Is it busy or is it relaxed? Your heart, is it open or closed? What are the emotions you might be feeling just at this moment? Not that you have to do anything about anything. Just check in with yourself. Just be there for a minute. If you can do that several times a day, that helps you be alive and awake in your life. And of course, you know, I've been a uh, practicing mindfulness meditation for, gee, well over 15 years now. And you know, that, that has significantly altered and informed my life. And, you know, what I just said about pausing during the day is kind of a taste of that. Just kind of wake up, you know, wake up to your life. Yeah. yeah. How can people find your book? Uh, well, you can find it on Amazon. You can download it on iTunes. You can get it on your any of your bookstores. And go to my webpage. It's at drdangottlieb.com. You'll, uh, you'll learn more about the Kulani School and my other books. And uh, I'm told it's a pretty good book, Patricia. Oh, I'm sure it's wonderful. And, yeah. and I, I believe that I have my copy here. And I have looked through it, and I'm um, excited to, you know, look at, look more, look more. I think it's, um, the work you're doing is so important. And, 
And you've been on the air, you said, almost 30 years. Yeah, 28 years in September. Yeah. In On NPR. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, you know, it's an NPR is such an important network. They're doing, you know, they're really, talk about making the world a better place in radio. Yeah, not kidding. I mean, and that, as far as news is concerned, they're the only ones I trust for news anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, that's very special. So, again, um, people can get your book by going on to Amazon as well, correct? Yes. Yep. And then your your website is dangottlieb.com. Dr. Dan Gottlieb. Dr. Dan, right. D-R-D-A-N-G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B.com. Correct. All right. Um, really have appreciated having you on the program. It's been delightful speaking with you, Patricia, yeah, and, and your listeners. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute, if you would, Dan. Sure. All right, folks. Um, that closes our session today. Patricia Raskin Positive Living will be back with you next week. Log on to patriciaraskin.com to read about my other radio programs. And remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Uh, and tune in again on voiceamerica.com. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.